Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm Dave Welcome. Cook. And uh, let's introduce ourselves. Um, and please, Dave, um, go ahead. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Turner, and I am the editor and chief evangelist for Tabletop Journal. I've been doing it for about a, uh, almost 11 years now and uh, here in America. And we cover the tabletop sector of the Horeca business, the hospitality and food service business. And we specialize in that. Um, I come out of uh, a background of uh, uh, food service supply, uh, having worked with a variety of manufacturers, had my own company and, and so forth. But uh, right now, we're the big cheerleader for the category and for uh, and for food service and hospitality in general. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Randy, will you take? Hello, uh, my name is Randy Serkin, and I am vice president of creative services for Star Restaurants. Star Restaurants is one of the largest multi-concept restaurant groups in uh, the United States. We have. 40 plus restaurants, all with different concepts uh, on the East Coast of uh, the country and have about another eight to 10 in the pipeline for the next uh, two plus years. Um, we have everything from fine dining, Michelin star restaurants, uh, the Clock Tower and Le Cuckoo, James Beard award-winning restaurants, all the way to uh, fast casual. So. We run the gamut of styles of dining. I do all of the um, branding and tabletop and uh, uniforms, everything that creates the um, sort of the energy and the excitement within the dining experience. I've been with the company for 21 years and uh, am uh, looking forward to the next five. I own you five. I'm done after that. <laughs> done. Time out. Gone. I'm out. Out. I have um, uh, a second home in Morocco, and I am looking forward to uh, retiring to North Africa. Not a bad place. <laughs> Ozai, please. Hi, everyone. I am Ozai uh, from Turkey. Uh, I am direct, director of uh, food and beverage and culinary operations in Redison Bleu Şişli, Istanbul. Uh, we have uh, three restaurants, one steak, steak and restaurant. Also, we have one uh, Bon Appetit Cafe and also in-room dining, too. Uh, and also, we have a banqueting room, so more than 20. Uh, one is a big ballroom. Uh, it's uh, 500 guests coming uh, in one time. And also, the other 20 uh, meeting rooms we have. Uh, exactly, we do every day 300 guests coming for meetings and uh, lunch and dinner also. Uh, our hotel is 291 rooms, uh, huge hotel and also very, very busy, every, every time full. Uh, we, we closed uh, 19, uh, before the COVID-1999, uh, sorry, 2019, we closed the hotel occupancy more than 95%. It's a good hotel, very, very busy. And also I'm, uh, I was an executive chef last four years. And after January this year, I promoted the uh, culinary director and FMB director together in both position. And also, you know, uh, this is a trendy over the world. Chefs uh, promoting, promoting to FMB position uh, now. And I, I did now, now I'm doing FMB too. Uh, that's it. Thank you, everyone. <clears throat> Congratulations, man. Thank you. Maha, please. Hi, my name is Maha Manjum and I'm a designer working in ceramics. Um, I've been working with restaurants, uh, chefs uh, for the last uh, 11, 12 years. Uh, I'm based in London. Um, I uh, have a workshop in North London where we produce small scale um, ceramics for restaurants, uh, bespoke uh, tableware for restaurants. And I also design for industry. So I work with Steelight um, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, designed a, a range for them recently called Spice. Um, and um, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much about me. <laughs> I just received my Spice samples that I had been waiting for patiently. Oh, <laughs> they're beautiful. I, I particularly I, love the uh, yellow. It's 
it's uh, something I hope to put in our restaurant called Electric Lemon. It's really oh, lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. I'm glad you like them. Yes, beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you. And I think you all know me. Um, uh, brief recap. Um, way too many years in the food service industry as chef, F&B director, and so on. Um, worked with um, FMCG companies like Carlsberg, Nestle in food service for a number of years. Um, 16, 18 years in tableware with Libby and Arc, and the last six and a half years as consultant in my own company. And um, been lucky enough to design some, some semi-successful glassware ranges, but I'm nowhere near the talent of Maham. Um, I am the proof that even a blind chicken can find corn when I can when I can design something that sells. So <laughs> that was the end of that story. Um, I would just like to ask you um, when we look at the COVID, um, since we all have different positions in the industry and different entrances to the industry that you now how you experienced the impact of the industry you now in, in your area and, and in your business. Um, I think I will actually, since this is actually the first time I have a chance of speaking to an F&B Horeca person from Turkey about this, I would like to ask Osai for, for his um, you know, uh, experience and, and view on the COVID and the industry in Turkey. Okay, uh, as you know, we started March of 2020, uh, COVID issue. In, in, in Turkey, in industry, I think uh, 70%, 80% hotels closed, shut down. They, everyone closed hotels. And also our industry, uh, I didn't see, you know, the Turkey, uh, every year we have something. We have terrorist attacked. And also we had uh, some war issue. Uh, last 10 years, may, maybe more than 20 years, uh, but we never saw, we never see in our life like this uh, COVID issue. It's very, very aggressive. And uh, we, we got in 10 days, more than 80% reservations cancellation. And also that time, Iranian market and Azerbaijan market for, coming for uh, here, their national, national uh, vocation, uh, they call uh, Nevrus location and our hotel almost full booked for March uh, 2020 and when COVID start in Turkey 4th of for first first uh, first uh, sickness we saw in Turkey I think March 4th and also that day we start to take cancellation of the reservation in 10 day all reservations Cancel, and also we close our hotel in 20 days. And also, but what we did, and also in, in Turkey, also restaurant sector too. We we closed restaurants, shopping malls, and uh, everywhere, everywhere, all hotels also. Sure. And also, what we did, uh, first of the tourism uh, ministry, they make a one, uh, how I can call one documents, and they. They put some laws for the hotels and restaurants, and they did uh, good documents for us. Then we follow up their documents. What is the writing? What is the restaurant tables? Uh, how we can put to our tables? Put two meter and close some rooms for the uh, sick uh, guests. Then also ten percent of the rooms we separate and we close. Who got some uh, COVID? Who got the COVID? And they have to make uh, isolation in the these rooms. And also, we 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 close our open buffet top of with glass or something, plexiglass or glasses. And guests cannot touch the anything. And we serve everything. And also, they this come from came from the government. This is good for us also. And this make some standardizations. And if you want to open your hotels, you need to get this uh, license from the tourism government, tourism ministry. This license giving to you uh, approval. If you got this license and you can open your 
hotel and restaurant also. And this is good for us. And, and this puts some, uh, this uh, issue or this documents or license uh, gives our guests, they came to Turkey and they feel themselves safely also. And this is good for our government too. And also uh, a big problem for us, the, the labors, because we are surviving with 30% of occupancy. It's very low, low occupancy for us. We, can, we cannot survive with this uh, occupancy because hotel cost is very much too much in the Turkey now. Electricity, air condition, and uh, tools, and labor cost, and every food cost, if you put everything on top, uh, 30% occupancy is never enough for the survive this hotel. And also government gives some uh, benefit for us and they pay uh, the low salary person, low salary, uh, uh, low, low salary employer, they got their salary from government. But high salary like us, directors, GM, and other one, we got 50% or 30% came from uh, our salary from the government, and we take other uh, our another salary from the uh, owners. And this give some power to our sector also. This same thing, same with restaurant sector also, and who decrease the business in the COVID time, they got this uh, salary from the government also. This gave some power to, and of course, uh, many restaurants and hotels, they close, they change their names, you know, they change the owners, but uh, sectors still continue in Turkey. This giving to our power too, also. And also what we did, uh, this is the first time I remind now. And after January or February, Two, three, three months ago, government now, they cancel some uh, laws also, because uh, now in the Turkey, very limited COVID people uh, announcing now, more less than 20,000 people, and uh, also passed away very, very less now. Uh, now we are, we are not normal. I cannot call, we are continue with normal normal time but uh, now good we are we are okay now so you stayed open during the entire covid period yes yes we are, five months only we close our hotel okay. after five months we open again okay. september to september to, to, 2021 yes we open again because I, I remember I was in Istanbul in March of, of 20. Yes. Um, I was actually on one of the last flights out uh, or into Copenhagen. Um, we were met by the police in the airport and sent home in quarantine. <laughs> but after that, after it happened so fast. And also in, in, in Turkey, um, everything just closed down really, really fast. Um, so uh, thank you. Yes. Andy, what was your experience in the U.S.? Well, um, having had 46 different concepts to, um, you know, manage and figure out the best uh, path forward was a test of one's uh, sort of uh, creativity and uh, resourcefulness. And we, of course, were um, uh, shut down initially for an extended period of time. And um, we swiftly pivoted much of our, um, our uh, concepts to uh, delivery platforms so that we were at least keeping some people employed and uh, bringing in some sort of revenue to keep the, the lights going. Of course, we did everything we could to negotiate rates with our landlords uh, to put um, you know, that on pause and to find a way to sustain the businesses until things were um, back to normal. Of course, we all believed that it was going to be two weeks, two months. No one expected that it was going to be two years. Um, so 
uh, I, I think <laughs> over the course of that time, you know, we, we really, it, it, it sort of, um, showed us, you know, what kind of uh, strength we had and, and ingenuity we had to keep pivoting to things that would, um, you know, help us keep, keep the lights on and keep the businesses going. So delivery and then became outdoor dining um, was our next phase of the process um, because we were allowed to have dining we weren't allowed to have indoor dining, but we were allowed to have outdoor dining. So we naturally created these amazing um, structures that were heated, that were comfortable, that even in the middle of the winter, our guests um, could come and enjoy um, our, uh, you know, our offerings. So it went from delivery to outdoor dining to socially distanced indoor dining. So it was constantly an evolving process and we had to react quickly, um, you know, to uh, accommodate uh, all of the, the, the mandates from the different cities. New York allowed one thing, Philadelphia didn't. So, and in Florida, I have to say as uh, uh, unique as they are, um, they were the ones that uh, kept powering through as if nothing was going on. So, we have four restaurants in Florida that um, continued to do record business because they didn't have to wear masks and they didn't have to social distance. Um, it, it was, you know, a, a completely out of the, you know, out of the norm uh, situation. Um, but uh, I think we just, um, you, you know, rallied our internal teams. We mobilized we responded as quickly as we could to um, what was allowable. Um, we optimized at every turn. Unfortunately, um, we did have to furlough almost our entire staff and then permanently um, let them go. So that became an, another challenge uh, as the business uh, started to expand and we were allowed to have more and more customers. Um, it was almost impossible then to, uh, you know, to keep up with that demand. So really it's been quite a learning experience. Um, and I, I have to say, because we are, um, you know, 22 years in business and, um, we have, uh, a lot of, uh, resources behind us that we were able to, uh, survive, um, it wasn't an easy task even for our company. So, uh, you know, it, it, it greatly saddens me to see how it devastated, um, you know, some of our, uh, you know, uh, other restaurant uh, communities in our markets that weren't able to hold on and close. We, we actually closed a few of our own restaurants that we have not since reopened that we probably will not reopen um, because of, you know, just the timing on all of it. So I think we lost maybe six, six locations in total. Um, and, you know, you really have to sympathize with the other um, restaurant companies that just didn't have the ability to, to bounce back from it. Um, and we did. So I feel very fortunate that we're still here. And even though we're dealing with um, an imperfect situation of, of labor and supply and demand, um, you know, I think if we just put our heads down and keep going and, um, and you know, reach out to our contacts for solutions um, in another year or so, we hopefully will be back to a more normal situation. So I try to look, uh, stay optimistic and, and look ahead. I mean, of course, it's going to change the way we operate permanently forever, the way we look at things, the way we build things, the way we order things. Um, we will definitely do things differently, but I do hope that we will rebound um, in, a, in a good way. Great, thanks. So I just want to jump to Maham. Um, because I know she has a back door. Um, and uh, mom, since you are probably 
spending more time in London restaurants than some of the employees in the restaurants. Um, and you are very close to the industry in the UK. What did you experience in the UK? Um, well, from, from, from my perspective, from a design perspective, there was, when COVID started, a lot of the projects that I was working on and was developing came to a, a halt. I mean, things just stopped. People were scared. Restaurants shut down. Um, uh, but then slowly, it was about three months of a lot of quiet stillness. And then slowly, slowly, we, you know, people started to think, okay, well, um, you know, let's look ahead. Let's look for, you know, ahead what we could do when the restaurants finally open. And I, I got a couple of very, very interesting uh, projects, which which kept me going. But I, I, I mean, it was a bit of a struggle, actually, uh, the first three months. Um, we've also got a problem of Brexit where there was, you know, we were already struggling with shortage of staff. A lot of restaurants were struggling uh, because of that. And then COVID happened. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a very um, it was a very good time for hospitality here. Um, but from sort of from the from the design side, I was able to because I was alone in the workshop, which was very nice. And I really enjoyed being alone. Usually I'm not alone in the workshop. Um, I was able to, you know, uh, I had time to think about uh, ideas and projects that, you know, never really took off or I never had time for. So it was a very good time to to look at, to, to revisit some ideas. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, and then, I mean, when the restaurants did finally start to open, because they opened, they closed, they opened and closed, that's how it goes, it went in the UK. Um, and some people that I work with, who uh, I have a good relationship with, uh, some of my clients, I had to kind of take a bit of a cut and I started to, some of them, I, I guess I'd giving them a discount because we were all struggling, we were all in this together. Um, so that's that's something that we uh, that that happened. And then, in terms of you know working, let's say with Steelite and and uh, and uh, the industry that I work with, um, it gave us a lot more time to fine tune some of the things that we were developing at the factories. So, you know, I, all in all, I mean, it was a it was a time of of it was austere, it was quiet, but I think creatively, it's helped me a lot. Um, and also to um, to experiment and I think to simplify things, which I, I think we've been able to do at the workshop, simplify our production methods. Um, of course, now we have a big problem of shortages of materials and the cost of everything is going up. So uh, there comes another challenge. It's kind of like a late effect to some extent by COVID. Um, but, but it just seemed to... to, to we say from to us from mainland Europe that the UK was probably one one of the countries when we looked at it that was the most structured. You very fast your government developed a, like a roadmap when to open what and how to do it and and what was demanded of the restaurants, the pubs, um, the hotels when they opened they needed to do this 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 and this. Yeah, when they finally opened, I mean, not not initially. It was very uncertain initially. We didn't know what was going to happen, what was going on, um, because everybody shut, all the restaurants were shut down. People were sitting at home like they were in most of the world. Uh, but yes, when, when they did start to open up, because we were getting vaccinated quite quickly, once the vaccine came out, it was pretty smooth. It was pretty organized then. And then, yes, of course, then there was this kind of roadmap of, you know, what's the first tier, the second tier, um, you know, and now things are, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing I think that our prime minister did somewhat um, efficiently, uh, the, the opening, the, the opening up of, of businesses again. Okay. Because it just seemed to me that you, you guys had it all under control. Um, so, but um, apparently you were in the same boat as we were. Yes, I mean, it was similar to Denmark. Uh, I don't think that we were, I mean, you, you, you know, it was similar to what you were going through in Denmark. I mean, I know more about Denmark because, uh, you know, because of having friends and family there. Um, um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I think, I think it was, it was, uh, it was very similar to you, what was going on in Denmark. Okay. Of course, you guys had to show your, uh, 
your, your vaccine certificate, have a negative test to come into restaurants. We yeah. never really had that. We didn't have that here. Uh, that, that's why we needed that so many people uh, in the test centers. <laughs> so, um, yeah. because we, we had to show uh, the negative vaccine everywhere. Um, so, um, so that's why. Um, so, um, Dave, I, 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 knowing you, you probably have 102 questions you, you want to ask. Um, no, I, I, I just, uh, I find it fascinating to listen to the operators here, to Randy and to Jose, because uh, <clears throat> I won't say I represent the supplier side, but we mirrored a lot of that, the suppliers in, uh, in our industry. And, and I think, Randy, uh, I agree with you. When, when this all started, two weeks, two months, who knew, right? But it wasn't going to be long. And we just sort of uh, hunker down and, and get through it. But at some point, um, it started to stretch out. Uh, March was uh, March, like the third week in March, I think, is when it seemed like it hit for us. And um, the the hunkering in period probably started to uh, dissolve in July, August, when you said, "Hey, this may be around for a while." And when you look at uh, the supplier side uh, became really obvious uh, early on that the people who were well resourced uh, had great inventories, had access to capital. They were going to be the ones who, uh, uh, if it was going to continue on, and obviously it has, it, they were the type of people who are going to be ultimately beneficiaries, uh, beneficial uh, beneficiaries of of the 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 bad situation we were in. Uh, independent restaurants who initially we thought, well, they can pivot quicker, they can adjust faster and whatever, uh, they'll, they'll be in the, if this is a short run thing, they'll be the, the major beneficiaries because they can respond and try something in the morning and change it in the afternoon, make their customers, they know their customers, whatever. But <clears throat> it became, a couple months in, it became really apparent that um, the COVID thing was going to be a little bit like a, a, a planned uh, burn of, of a forest. And you know, it's going to take the people who are marginal players, whether you're on the operation side or the supplier side, um, it was going to take those marginal players, people who didn't really have a great plan. And it was really going to uh, impact them very severely. And the people that had a mission and re had resources and could count on that, and, and particularly manufacturers who were who controlled their own manufacturing. And so it, it has played out pretty much like that. I think we focus on the tabletop sector and we thought glassware because it's nearly a disposable uh, glassware would go first. Uh, dinnerware would go second and flatware and metals would go third. And I don't know if it's played out exactly like that, but now it seems like uh, the people that produce product rather than the people that buy it from others, uh, the people that actually produce product are in much stronger positions and people, again, who had access to capital or were well capitalized to begin with, people like on the operation side like Star, uh, it's no surprise to me that uh, right now it may be a great time to be with Star Restaurants because there's probably a lot better locations uh, available. And, you know, people are the one thing that, that comes through all this and through a time like this is people in general, the, the, our, our customers, the people who sit in the chairs and stay in the hotel and uh, in the hotel beds, they're hardwired to connect with other human beings. And the restaurant, the hospitality, the Horeca business, if you call it, uh, it's going to be around for a long, long time because of that one single component. And uh, the people connect best over great meals, great food and beverage. Um, and so the people that provide those great experiences uh, while they're still trying to recapture some of the lost profitability over the last couple of years, they will ultimately be successful. And the, on the supplier side, the people who are able to not only fund inventory levels so they can continue service when it was when the, when the demand came back, but also who could develop great products like Maham's products. Steelite's great. I've uh, been great at developing great new products, uh, taking the COVID time um, and developing a lot of new SKUs, a lot of new products like Maham's line of spice, spice line. And uh, so they're still bringing creative new products to this industry. And that's the lifeblood of, of the supplier side. So, so I, I think that uh, in terms of the U S market, 
U.S. is, is a lot of people, well, most people know it's the composition of a lot of different markets. Florida was the Wild West. It never knew COVID happened practically. Um, I went to Charleston, West Virginia, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, excuse me, uh, a couple of times in, in the past year. And you'd almost know there was, you'd never know there was a problem there either. But in certain markets, New York City, obviously, uh, uh, Manhattan is a, is a difficult market. Whether you're still only in the office, occupancy rate there is only about 30%. And, and, and it's going to struggle for a while. Uh, any downtown metropolitan area, downtown LA, same kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's different wherever you go, but it's coming back and it will come back strong. Um, again, people are hardwired to connect with other human beings and, and they love to travel. So those hotels are going to get filled back up. The planes are getting filled back up. Uh, I'm excited about where we're going from here. Great. Um, so, um, Anybody wants to comment anything um, in, in relation to, to the experience during COVID? I'm just excited to go back out and eat and, and, and uh, to dine in great restaurants without a mask on anymore. That, that's great. Huh? Just to go out and see people. Yeah. I, I think that's that's something we all <laughs> um, know uh, are enjoying the fact that we can do now. Um, and it's actually part of these, some of the issues we are facing um, that um, we, we, we can see everybody's doing that. Everybody's enjoying of doing that. Um, so I just want to say, I might have a technical problem in a couple of minutes. Um, it's, uh, it seems like there is something wrong with my connections. So we might have to, hook up again, and you can use the same uh, invitation and hook up again um, if you lose the connection. So, um, now what, what I was saying was that, um, now what we see here is that um, we, we now have so many people visiting the hotels and the restaurants. Um, and as I said, part of the issue we face here now is the lack of staff to handle it. Um, so um, that's, no, it's just so hectic. And, and uh, like the reason for Sir not being here is that they're lacking something like six to 700 employees at the hotels towards the summer which is a huge, huge issue. Um, and the restaurants are, are, are experience the same problem. Um, and on top of that, you know, you go through COVID with, with close downs, with, with lockdowns, with a number of different things, you get out of it, you get really, really busy, and then you start to, to, to miss staff. Um, whatever staff you can get, you need to retrain or train. And then on top of it, you have the effect of the lack of raw material. And this is, this is, as I see it, really nice. We are talking about late effects if you have been affected by COVID with headaches, with, with different things. But this really had a late effect for the industry. Um, and I would like, uh, especially Jose and, and Randy, to comment on this, how they see it in, in their countries. Um, Jose, will you start? Exactly. In our industry, so many people live from this industry in Turkey. You know. uh, from tourism industry, many waiters, they left from this in industry also. Because uh, they, they never feel themselves in safe area in this, in this industry. And we are searching and we are looking for the waiters now. We are looking for, we are every day, we, we put the newspapers, we are looking for our waiters. We never, never, never nobody's coming. Uh, because they left from this industry and they passed another industry, motorbike porter. You know, the now growing in the uh, COVID uh, time, COVID period, this motorbike porter in industry very fast growing and they left from our industry and they went there. And they they never come back yet. And also, uh, this is another big issue for us, I can tell. 
And I know you have an increase in, in cost of raw materials and natural gas. You, you, you face exactly the same thing as we do. Um, I was in Istanbul last week and I talked to a number of operators um, and, and they, are, they are all you know, pulling their hair out and saying, how are we going to pay for this? And also, you know, the current of dollar and euro TL so much now for Turkey. And we cannot buy anything. Uh, we are very, very uh, surviving for that. Uh, you know, the currency dollar, I think, two time or four time increased last uh, three months. Uh, this is another big issue for, for us also. The suppliers, they cannot bring, they cannot bring to... Uh, Invest, they cannot bring from outside country the equipment, you know, the plates from England bring this to this country. It costs too much now. Uh, I can tell now. And glass, we cannot find <clears throat> glass anymore. Uh, some Jewish glass, I, I'm searching now. Never. You cannot find. And also the local suppliers, they are producing, but they sell the outside country. It's another, another problem. Because uh, TL very cheap, and they, they buy with dollars and euro is too much for the, for them. Also, this yeah, I'd be interested, Randy, uh, to hear your take on <clears throat> on menus and what's going on in the restaurants because of uh, the I'll, I'll call it inflation, but that really doesn't accurately describe uh, the the added costs that suppliers have. And when I talk about suppliers, uh, again, again, we focus a lot on tabletop, but I talked to the, an operator, a chain operator, talking about the rising cost of beef and um, going up 60-70% in some cases and they can't they don't feel they didn't feel anyway they could pass all that along so i wonder how operators are not only dealing with the staffing issues and the and the changes in protocols and all that but also just the rising cost of you know opening the doors every day well i'll address the uh, question about staffing um, because that was really one of the most frustrating um, experiences I think uh, I've ever had to go through um, as you know a person that really enjoys the creative process of design and marketing and you know the the, the you know the aesthetic part of things I really ended up becoming um, a recruiting marketer and that was not enjoyable in my world um, because no matter what we tried, you still struggled. I mean, everybody was fighting for the same, you know, pool of employees. And so it became this, excuse my language, pissing match um, where everybody was trying to one up the other, bigger incentives, uh, signing bonuses, um, all kinds of, uh, you know, things to motivate people to come to work for them versus, you know, the restaurant next door. So it really was exasperating. I mean, we used every trick in the book, um, humor, all kinds of TikTok videos, uh, stunts out in, you know, in, in the public spaces of really just trying to endear people to come to work for Star. And then you add in the whole sort of issue of hourly wages. So not only did you have to, um, you know, recruit people, but then they started, you know, wanting $20 an hour, um, 40, you know, for a regular shift. Um, and so that, you know, sort of added uh, a another level of, um, uh, of challenge. But, uh, you know, we had to respond to the lack, lack of staff by um, not opening certain meal periods. So we didn't reopen for lunch or we didn't open on Mondays or we didn't, um, you know, uh, stay open as late as we might have. So, I mean, it brought to light, a, you know, a, a, a good situation of like, we need to work on employee retention and really 
um, make sure that our, our staff feels valued and appreciated. So to that effect, I mean, I think it was um, eye-opening, but, you know, it, it extremely problematic um, and very costly. Um, so, you know, even as we open new restaurants, again, we didn't get to come out with the full fanfare of we're open seven days a week. It was like, we're open Tuesday through Thursday or Tuesday through Saturday. Um, and, uh, I, and it's an ongoing problem. And, you know, from the development side, they just want to keep going. Like we're going to open this and that and the other thing. And on the recruiting side, it's like, oh my God, you know, it's a shrinking labor pool, just like everybody sort of used their time to, um, you know, be more introspective and figure out what was important to them and, and work on their creativity. A good majority of, of people in the hospitality industry just decided this is no longer for me. I'm going to go be a real estate agent and sell houses. Um, So, you know, they, they shifted to other, um, other careers. And the third part of it is a good amount of our employees um, were minorities uh, who went home. So the Mexican uh, prep cooks and the people from Ecuador or um, various other, um, you know, Latino nation, they just went home and didn't come back. So, you know, finding that kitchen staff was very, very challenging and, and, and remains so. Um, but uh, again, because like you've said earlier, we're a bigger company, we can share within each other. Um, if we needed to move managers from one location to help fill in in another, we had that, um, you know, we had that ability to do that. So uh, not a fun situation, um, not an ideal situation. Uh, and one I don't necessarily see uh, resolving itself um, anytime soon. I mean, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, an ongoing battle. Uh, as far as, you know, the question to uh, rising costs and inflation, um, like everyone else, we have definitely had price increases. Um, but we have also removed many items from the menu and are working with uh, a smaller uh, offering because we can't and won't pass along, you know, those costs. And so guests are often disappointed that what happened to my favorite, this, that, or the other, and we've opted to at least remove it temporarily. Um, it, that, that also speaks to the labor shortage in the kitchen. We don't have enough cooks. So we've already reduced the, the menu offerings and then you have inflation and you've reduced them even further. Um, but we, you know, we make sure that we go above and beyond with the hospitality aspect, with the guest aspect of making sure that when they're there, um, you know, we, we are really taking care of them, attention to detail, and, um, you know, I say, you, you know, you compensate for one thing by, you know, offering something else. So it's, it's really a bit of a, uh, a chess match right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say for, in, in my, in my uh, galaxy of travels uh, <clears throat> in, in conversations, I hear that restaurants are slammed. Okay, I hear that a lot. I tried to get into this restaurant, couldn't get. They were just, you know, two hour waits and all that stuff. That's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. I think. I wonder what happens on Monday, Tuesday, uh, you know, maybe a Sunday night as well. And 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 in sort of managing through all that seven day week, uh, I I think it's going to be just crazy for you all. It is crazy, and um, I think when like the, the, the being slam sort of um, ebbed and flowed. Uh, you, you know, we, we weren't slammed when we were requiring vaccines to come into the restaurant because people got their, you know, they, they were up in arms about, I'm never coming to a star restaurant again. How dare you? So, you know, we, we lost a, a little bit of, you know, our target audience and, 
Um, when you had to wear the masks, people didn't come out as much. But as soon as all of that started to lift, I think every and and we were allowed out of our houses, we were slammed. And and because everybody found that newfound freedom of like, oh, I can go back out. I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to worry about proof of, of vaccination. And now I think it's leveling out. Um, people are returning more to a normal routine. Um, but there is definite. And my fear is, you, you know, I live uh, on the side of caution um, because like every time you get comfortable, they pull the rug out from under you. And just at the holidays, of course, we saw that, you know, that that variation variant come back and kind of, you know, s- s- hit us again. So I'm always a-, a little nervous to just, you know, pull the trigger full on and then and then have to pull back again. Um, so we, you know, you know we, we're, we're taking it very uh, carefully. Uh, sorry, Jesper, uh, sorry guys. Uh, now, 10 minutes ago, fasting is finished in Turkey. Yeah. Uh, if you give me time, I have to leave because I have a full booked restaurant upstairs. Yeah. Uh, if you have a question for me, I I can reply. I need to leave. I'm sorry about that. It's quite okay. I understand. It's the Ramadan and then, and then it's now opening up and everything. When you can eat and so on, so fine. Thank you very much for participating over there, um, and I will take you up on your offer to visit you in your hotel. Please, please, I'm waiting to you. And also, if you have a question for me too, you can make me one email. I can reply to this email okay. also. I, I, and I, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mom. Uh, thank you, Randy. Uh, nice, nice to meet you. you. Thanks nice. for joining us. Uh, sorry about that. I, I need to leave uh, early because fasting almost finished. Okay. Now I need to go my job too. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Oh. I'm very sorry. I'm going to have to leave too, yes, because I've got to be somewhere in half an hour. I know, I know. In the oh. end of town, so. We, we took a little oh. bit more time than expected, but it's okay. So, a great okay. conversation. Andy, Dave, Ozark. Thank you. I'm sorry to miss this, but yeah. I'll see you soon. Yeah, so. You are the, the, you two I'm US guys. Sorry? No, I was just going to say, the two US guys, you're going to stay. I'm just going to say what Randy said about, you know, making the uh, the hospitality aspect of restaurants more welcoming. I really like that. I think that's such a strong thing because people always remember how you make them feel, especially when you go in a restaurant, you know, and that's one way of luring people back in, making them feel special. So I, I really like that. We can't hear you, Randy. For me? Randy, you're on mute, I think. Yeah. I was saying part of how we do that is by uh, showcasing our, our food and our beverage in beautiful tabletop that make people smile. So thank you so much for your creativity. And I would love to connect with you offline to talk about future projects. Yes, love to, love to, look forward to it. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, say thank you very much. Bye. Bye. I was, um, in relation to what you said, Randy, um, when I look at the, the Danish situation, um, you know, we, we, we don't have different states. We, we are one state. We don't have different, you know, local governments and so on. Um, and as you say, one of the big, you know, one of the things here that be, really is an issue in the industry right now is finding your feet in everything that comes from the outside, whether it's staff, whether it's it's raw material, price increases and all of that. And that's very, very difficult um, for especially the smaller players because many of them don't have the experience, don't have the background and don't have the knowledge internally on how to handle these situations. Yeah, I have to say it, it's been a very, um, I won't say depressing, but it, it's, it, you know, for a person like me that loves beautiful things, beautiful glasses such as yours and beautiful plates and not being able to get them um, and being told that it's seven months, um, you know, to, to, I very carefully select everything that's used in our restaurants. And when I have to 
figure out not only plan B, but plan C. Um, and I'm spending such a, a lot of my time right now, like, okay, well, I need a plate. <laughs> I, I, it's not, this is not the plate I want, but I'll have to take anything I can get. It's not a situation I like finding myself in. <laughs> I want to be able to get all the things that make star star. And so it makes me a little sad. I'll be really honest about it. Yeah, I think suppliers suppliers have had a uh, um, a couple of challenges. Number one, obviously, was <clears throat> uh, when I say suppliers, uh, it can be the the supply chain people, the dealer network wholesalers or whatever. But um, in addition to maintaining good inventories, and almost nobody was able to do that for a while. Um, if you if your product was produced someplace else in the world or even in the United States, sometimes it was hard. Uh, the, now it's hard getting transport and that transport that used to a container, for instance, coming from Europe to the U.S. is now at least four to five times as much. And there's no guarantee you'll be on that ship. Uh, even though you've booked passage for that container too. So there's a, so much uncertainty on the supplier side. So <clears throat> the, um, the challenges for operators, uh, they flow sort of upstream, I will say it like that. And, uh, and in addition to that, the cost, um, if right now with the, just think, uh, uh, Jasper on the uncertainties on the, the energy resources in Europe right now to, to run the factories. Um, it, it's crazy what's going on. And so, uh, it, again, being well-resourced means a lot of things. It doesn't mean just money, but it means having a good inventory of, uh, product of talent having a strong brand star has an incredibly strong brand as a, as a restaurateur. And um, there's no question about the quality of the products. Uh, it may hey, take a temporary hit from people who say, I'm not coming because I have to wear a mask or whatever, but, but they will come back because of the quality of the experience they get at a star restaurant. Yeah, I'm, I'm and I want them to have a star experience <laughs> and, and okay. having to compromise my, you know, standards is at and because we care so much about that we are judged so much by that so if somebody comes in and doesn't have that star experience they don't care that the supply chain is you know a mess right now they 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 feel slighted and boy are the customers very vocal right now i mean they so are not on afraid Randy, you touch on a, a subject that's near and dear to me, and that is company culture and talk about retention of employees and whether you're an operator or supplier or, or supply chain person. I think company culture really comes into play at times like this and how you treat people, how you treat your customers, how you treat. I mean, it, it, you're looking for staff, but to bring them on board now at, at almost any cost uh, really and then get them to take on the star restaurant culture. That's got to be a real challenge for me, for you. It is. It is. Yep. I like a good challenge. I never back <laughs> down. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just ready. You know, I'm ready to have some fun and it's not been fun for the last couple of years. I have to, you know, yeah. say that. This, this is a fun business, but it's been, uh, yeah. everybody uses the word challenge, but it has been damn depressing and, and hard yeah. to sort of slog and some days hard to get for people to get out of bed. And that's, that's uh, just being real about, uh, and, and, and operators there on the front line. I mean, you, you're, you're people in the restaurants, man, they hear it unvarnished. Oh, that, that is for sure. Yep. They, people are definitely not afraid to share their dis disappointment when, you know, things aren't as they remember them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I'm sorry, I can't have somebody in the kitchen right now just cutting potatoes for your French fries. I have to, you know, unfortunately for the time being, find a really good, uh, you know, frozen product. But, yeah. you know, I think we, we see it in, in a way where actually in all my years in the industry, I've never seen anything like the situation we're in right now. When we, we passed the COVID, and we start to open up. Yep. And in at least my experience is when, when I talk to people outside of the industry, the users of the industry, 
for them because the infection, infection rate is so low. Like in the Nordics, we have no restrictions left. So for them, COVID is gone. They don't understand the fact that there are a number of late effects, which is lack of staff, lack of raw materials, increasing of pricing. They, they say, yeah, but what's the issue? We have no COVID anymore. No, but we have the late effects. It might not have hit you. You might not be hit by it in the same way, but it's there. And it's actually much harder to deal with because it's the unexpected of the unexpected. We're in the second, third wave. We don't know what is hitting us. You know, we, we yeah. have a situation in Eastern Europe when I talk to, to manufacturers of tableware, you know, the majority of the raw material in Europe comes from the area which is, there is a slight dispute over there now. Um, so we see clay being um, in shortage. We see this being in shortage, and they're they're trying to plan their way out. There is an increase of demand coming from the industry on tableware on a number of other products. I I talked to 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 Jan, the guy in Germany, who was supposed to be here yesterday, and he explained to me that restaurants is now putting a restriction on how many French fries they are going to produce because they can't get the oil. Yep, exactly. And it's this is like you no, know, we we dealt with COVID. We're basically okay. This this is something we can understand, but but the fact trying to explain to a guest in a restaurant that you can't get your French fries because we don't have enough oil, <laughs> fry it in. It's 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 such a different thing, and it, it's yeah. Well, we we haven't been incredibly spoiled. So the, the restaurateurs like uh, Star Restaurants, they've spoiled us all these years, you see. But the good news in all this is, is that uh, this industry has shown me more than ever before how creative it is and how how restaurateurs and operators and even suppliers, how they'll persevere through this and the, the diligence and, and the, the creativity to get to work their way through it is, is, is pretty darn amazing. If you, if you take two or three seconds to step back, I know, Randy, you're probably on the front lines every day, so you don't get a chance to step back. But I will tell you, uh, I was at a regional show here uh, in uh, we're, we're located in Baltimore and I was at a regional uh, dealer show here uh, last week. And uh, the optimism there is as strong as it's ever been, maybe stronger uh, from to supplier mode. I talked to some operators there that were attending the show. Everybody's looking forward to, uh, you know, the coming year and the summer months. And so I, I think uh, the optimism is great and everybody's being pretty creative. Yeah, menus are a little been pared down and yeah. made easier. But hey, we've been through, you know, we've been through a lot and I think we do need to give ourselves a little bit of credit and, Amen. you know, just, uh, you know, stay the course. I'm excited about NRA this year. Oh yeah. Um, I kind of was burned out on that show. I really enjoyed going to host in Milan and I went to my first ambiente. And so kind of NRA kind of lost its luster for me, but this year I'm like, I'm going to Chicago. <laughs> like I, I can't wait to see everybody together. But that's exactly it, though. Everybody says this at this show, this regional one here. Everybody was like, we're so excited to go to Chicago. And I said, what are you looking for? I just want to see people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the, that's really one of the the hidden gems of our whole industry. Even these are great. These calls, these uh, these kind of calls where you can I can look you in the eye and talk to you. But nothing, nothing beats a good hug from somebody you haven't seen in a yeah. long time. Yeah. And I, I have to to you know, the credit of the, you know, the manufacturers and the distributors. I mean, everybody really rallied together to kind yeah. of, you know, figure it out. I, I, I mean, I'm very blessed that I know the people high up at, you know, Steelite and the people that are high up at, you know, Bernardo and the people that are high up even at, you know, Rosenthal. I mean, it, it if I needed something, they bent over backwards to try to help me or find another solution. So I'm incredibly grateful. They give that, you their best effort. And that's, yeah. and that's all you can ask in these yeah, days. Yeah, very supportive industry. Cool. Everybody really cared about each other. And, and that made it a little easier. 
Yeah. It's, 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 you know, I, I've been on both sides. I've been in the kitchen. I've been in the restaurant. I've been in the bar. I've been working the floor. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm like consulting to, to the industry and then supplying the industry. And, and one of the beauties about this industry is, is you know, it's a survival industry. Uh, and everybody just have a, you know, a positive mindset. And, and now all the time trying to find a way. I'm working on, and, and in the middle of developing a sustainable restaurant concept for a hotel chain here in the Nordics. And this is, now the hotel is opening in May. This is probably the worst time to do something really new because we have a hard time getting everything. And it's, now we were trying to find ways. So we, we're now, we adjusted the concept and we're working with local farmers. We are building now um, small urban gardens on the hotel roof and on the terraces of the hotel, restaurants and so on. And we, you know, we were started out using some wood from, from Ukraine, which is a pretty bad idea right now. Uh, <laughs> but, but all of these things is like piling up, but, but we will get through it. Come May, we will open a fantastic sustainable restaurant concept, uh, recycled uh, clay for the porcelain, recycled glass, everything, you no know, small bags of seed. We will be growing our own spices, decorations, uh, vegetables, and so on. So, but, at the end of the day, you now, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you now, I feel a little bit sad for for the GM of this hotel chain and the GM of the hotel and then the kitchen manager, which 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 is dealing with this every day because it is it's, it is an uphill battle. But at the end of the day, all of them are smiling, uh, and and you have a glass of wine, you have a beer, and then you go like, it's just gonna because, say that because we are used <laughs> to dealing in crisis situations. Where you go, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, which which leads me to to the last topic. I just wanted because I know we we are now just left now not the Nordics, which is like the sustainability capital of the world towards, and then the US, which is not all not at the same level. Let's put it like that. But but how do you see that, Randy? How do you see the entrance of like the environmental friendly product, the sustainability concepts into the restaurant industry? Well, I mean, it's become increasingly important to, you know, um, the uh, um, the end user. I mean, you know, we get a lot of <clears throat> guests who want to know where their food is coming from and where, um, you know, you know, where the the, you know, the straws and, and all of that stuff. Um, for my company, it's a little bit more challenging, um, but, you know, slowly but surely we've, uh, you know, eliminated certain things that um, are perceived and are bad for the environment. Um, but <clears throat> we haven't, SAR hasn't had a, a hard look, taken a hard look yet at, you know, how we really get to that next green um, level. But I think, you know, um, the demand will uh, more or less kind of force our hand at some point to really address that. I think the last three years or two years have not really, it's not been a focus. Um, but I, you know, certainly for the younger generation, uh, they are very adamant about things being um, clean and, and green. And if we want to continue uh, to evolve our brand, we're going to have to answer to that at, at some point. Um, we just haven't gotten there completely yet. Yeah, I, I think that that whole sustainability, uh, Jesper, I know that's a, that's something that's really near and dear to you and, 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 and really to all of us. Um, it's, it's really a wide ranging topic and uh, we need to have, definitely have this group back again to, uh, to talk about that on a different, uh, different day. But I'll just say is that, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think from both, I won't speak for operators, but I know suppliers, uh, they're all trying to figure that out too, and how to tell their their uh, sustainability story, if you will. And right now, uh, most suppliers are trying to stay alive, mm -hmm. and they're fighting for their life. And uh, whether you're a glassware company, a table, a dinnerware company, or a flatware company, you're trying to figure out how to 
get back into business and get a rhythm for your inventories, how to supply your customers, how, how to provide good service again, because a lot of, a lot of these suppliers have lost their, uh, their talent. Now, Steelite, uh, who uh, uh, Maham works with, they were able to retain uh, the majority, if not all their top talent. Uh, so, so the people that have worked hard to do that, them, and, and I think Rack has as well. Uh, some of those, those companies are going to be in better shape because you know who you're dealing with but as a smaller company who has unique products whatever it's tough uh sustainability is uh is on the agenda because of what randy just said the the person who sits in the seat and pays all all of our salaries uh the customers who go into our restaurants they're interested that's a that's a high level of importance issue for them so uh, it's a it's a big big topic right now though we got to stay alive over here, it's actually surprised me. And we, we talked about this before, Dave, that I actually saw an increase in the focus on sustainability during COVID. And it was down to the, you know, when, when we, we, we did uh, here exactly like we did in many other countries, we went to takeout. But people start to look, you know, how did they get sure. their food? What was the packaging? And, and this is actually continued and, and now already now when we are facing all these other obstacles, like the governments in Europe and especially up here is putting aside money to implement green measures because the demand is coming so fast from the, let me say, the guests in the restaurants, but also the companies now <clears throat> have started to impose on hotel and restaurants. If they don't have a green strategy, if they don't have an environmental plan, they are not gonna, gonna use them because they are looking into saying, okay, what is our carbon footprint? And part of our carbon footprint is also where we stay and sleep and where we eat and where we entertain our staff and our customers. So this has an impact. We'll have, we'll, we'll have a good discussion on that because I, I, I'm, all, nobody, I'm not for destroying the environment at all, but at what cost do we do all this and who pays that cost? And, then, and yeah, that's the thing. And this is where you know, the politics of the different countries are different and, and the different areas of the world. But, but yeah. what we see right now is just such a fast impact. And, and for the producers, it's both a, a plus and a minus because a lot of companies are switching yeah. from sourcing in Asia to sourcing in Europe, which means that the, the demand on the manufacturers in countries mm -hmm. like Portugal, Czech Republic, Turkey, which has had a hard time financially, the demand on the factories there is just increasing so rapidly. So, but so if you take uh, if you take a glass and give it to Randy and say her favorite glass goes up and doubles in price or triples in price because of environmental uh, issues, she's probably going to have difficulty passing that along uh, to her guests. Uh, so I, I, I just, at some point, we'll have a better discussion about it, I'm sure. An, an energetic discussion. discussion. And, and a very wide discussion. But I just wanted to touch <laughs> the subject because it is a key issue and it's something yep, we have to face, we have to deal with. It's, it's, another, it's another matter of if, it's a matter of when we have to make those decisions. Yeah. Agreed. So. Absolutely. I just want to take a chance to thank you guys for taking out an hour plus of your busy schedules to be part of this. Thank you. Um, I think we cool. should all. I think we should all meet in Morocco. That's what I think, Randy. All right. <laughs> uh, I've never been to Morocco, but maybe now that was a reason to go. Jasper can invite us all there, and then uh, and we'll do something uh, similar again. But I, uh, this yes. has been great. It's a pleasure meeting you and and the other participants as well. So, uh, Jasper, thanks for having us here. My Thank pleasure. you. Stay safe, have guys. A and let's have a great time. day. Okay. Feel better, Jasper. Bye. Bye.